fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Hello, friends. Hi. It's officially fall, I think. We've we've just claimed it. We have. Listen, I can't stop eating candy corn. Oh, Lacey's house is decked out already. It's got all the fall things, all the Halloween things, Mm -hmm. candy corn on deck. Halloween tree. Halloween tree, fall candles. But So I have a little candy jar sitting in the kitchen, and it has candy corn in it. And every time I pass candy, I open it up and I I get a piece. Candy corn's pretty controversial. People love it or they hate it. Yeah, and I Lacey loves love it. it. I don't like the kind with chocolate on it. I do like the pumpkins and just your standard candy corn. Did you know that it, back in the day it used to be called chicken feed? Learned that the other day. Well, That's the history of candy corn. What? Tiny tail. Tiny tail. Mm-hmm. Two minutes in. But we're not talking about that today. No. We're not really talking about anything fall like today. No, but I do like our topic for today. I do, because today we're doing fairies. And I think that's pretty... Because, you know, scary tales, fairy tales, we're just starting from the top. Yeah, and we, we probably should have started the whole podcast with something like this because we did try to do a, the play on words, fairy tales, scary tales, mm-hmm. where fairies do show up in a lot of classic stories. They do. They're everywhere. You've got Tinkerbell. Yep. Know her. Know her. You've got fairy godmothers. Mm-hmm. You've got the tooth fairy. Uh, we talked. We did a King Arthur episode where we didn't even we touched on her a little bit, but Morgan Le Fay is the, mm-hmm. is a famous fairy. From Keyword Fay Fay fairy. Uh, you've got Shakespeare has tons of fairies in his stories. Puck is probably his most famous one mm-hmm. from a midnight Midsummer Night's Dream. The Sugar Plum Fairy from the Nutcracker. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. The Blue Fairy from the Pinocchio. Blue fairy. I know. There's tons. Yeah. Most people picture these fairies as these cute, tiny, little winged creatures with magical powers. Like, I think everybody just pictures Tinkerbell. They do. And we, we talked about how Tinkerbell, in our um, episode, we talked a previous episode, we talked about how Tinkerbell is, was a little bit more mischievous than... She wasn't very nice. Yeah, she wasn't very nice. And we, we kind of fo- mm-hmm. talked about that a little bit. And, and that is accurate mm-hmm. to fairies so i think the the, essence of fairies yeah so i think the kind of cute little creature gets a little Mm -hmm. bit misconstrued everybody dresses up like a cute little fairy but right you actually the more you know the more you probably wouldn't want to dress up as a fairy for halloween i would um well of course Mm -hmm. which we may or may not have come up with our halloween costumes today so stay Stay tuned tuned. it's not fairies Mm -hmm. so again once you kind of realize the history behind them and more of the story behind them there's a lot more to it than just the cute little cartoon. I think that kind of like dumbs them down. Mm-hmm. It makes them less interesting. It makes them less I don't know, complex. I, because in reality, they are pretty scary. They're terrifying. I love reading fiction. Or, that's one of the things in my brain that I can't get straight. Like dimes and nickels. Nonfiction is true. 
Yes. Right, okay. Yeah. I have to like stop yeah. and do that every time. Uh-huh. Um, I like reading fiction books about fae. Yeah, about the the fae, the fairies. Mm-hmm. It, it they're popular in a lot of young adult books. Right. Um, so a couple a couple things for you before we dive in. Fairies can be either benevolent or malevolent. So there are some good fairies. There are some bad fairies. Um, they often are very mischievous. So even if they're not like evil, malicious, they are mischievous and known to steal things. Now what they decide to steal can make them more or less evil. They can be big or small. Uh, they usually are very human-like in appearance, but they can also be invisible. Some are beautiful. Some are hideous. There's lots of variations. Mm-hmm. They have the option of having jobs. We just picture them as these little creatures. Uh, mm-hmm. They have jobs. They have offspring. They have families. They use something called glamour, which is their magical ability to like deceive what you see, and they can make you see what they want you to see that's a cool superpower that often gets left off the list i would mm-hmm. love that superpower mm-hmm. i'd rather have that than like invisibility look at this six pack <laughs> you know yeah i mm-hmm. do know they can mm-hmm. come in handy they are either immortal or they have extremely long lives they've got a good lot long lifespan if they don't live for even if they don't live for forever they don't usually harm humans unless you wrong them mm-hmm which we'll get we're going to go over the rules later. Yeah, there are some rules. They are often depicts, depicted living in like the woods because they're considered one with nature. They are like a nature character. Mm-hmm. They love big feasts. They love dancing. They love shiny things. Mm-hmm. Very extroverted type of characters oftentimes. But they don't love iron. Any fiction book I've ever read that's like a web like if an iron dagger or an iron sword is like Mm -hmm. the way you can kill a fairy yeah which people think this is linked to the fear of like invaders during the iron age yeah the origination yeah uh where did they live i was about to say so that's a little bit about fairies in terms of where they live so like fairy lands and things like that their realms have lots of different names for them okay Typically, this quote, quote, fairyland is thought to be a place between two different worlds. Um, Like um, purgatory. Yes. Uh, Sometimes it's underground. Sometimes it's like invisible. Sometimes it's on an island. Sometimes it's underwater. Just something in between or kind of often hidden. Typically very beautiful, very nice, very magical. Mm -hmm. Time doesn't really exist there. So you have a little bit of a time warp for the fairies which could be why they live for so long Mm -hmm. in terms of their like social organization or like hierarchy it's kind of like the feudal medieval society or that hierarchy like where you've got a king and queen on top and then you've got i don't know if it's technically peasant fairies but there there is like a social ranking to them all the books i read they have like different courts yeah you got the spring court and the autumn court and whatever yeah and in, in a lot of Shakespeare, you've got, like, the king or queen fairy that mm-hmm. presides over everybody. The way to get to a fairyland, like, the entrance is usually through a pit, a pothole, a cave, a crevice, a hilltop. A crevice. I mean, like, it's normally something pretty small that you, uh-huh. like, fall into or can slip into. Uh, the entrance allowed a living mortal to enter into this other thing. So mm-hmm. you have to like know where it is because it's normally kind of yeah. hidden. So you can go there if you're immortal, but it's hard to find. Right. 
there are lots of different names for fairies honestly and when we can do an episode on each one of these i know i definitely want to do one on banshees we're going to do one on leprechauns what are some other ones banshees goblins leprechauns i know you want to do that Mm -hmm. we got some irish things brownies sounds delicious Uh, yeah changelings which is one we will talk about today nymphs satyrs sirens sprites elves pixies dryads ogres i mean there's more that falls under that list but each one of those has like a little bit of a different twist to them mm-hmm. we're obviously not going to go over all those but we are going to go over a couple and harry potter you got pixies you got bogart oh, yeah. bogarts True. bogarts yeah there's there's tons so save all those for future episodes mm-hmm. but in terms of our true crime today we're going to talk about changelings for a little mm-hmm. bit. Because that has to do with the true crime. It does. And I like this one the best because this is what typically comes up in like Shakespearean plays. Mm-hmm. So the, the literature lady over here is very interesting in changelings. So do you know? Well, I'll, we'll tell you. <laughs> I don't, do I know? Had you Have you heard of the term changelings mm-hmm. before? You, is that not with the movie Changeling with Angelina Jolie? Oh, no, I don't know. I haven't seen that. That could be not it at all. I don't know if I've seen it. Well, I know we'll, that's a movie. It might not be. We'll, we'll look have, it up later. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out later. <laughs> so changelings were fairies dis- that were often disguised as human children. Okay, we told you they could like kind of shape shift and make mm-hmm. you see what they wanted mm-hmm. you to see. So when unsuspecting parents were distracted, these fairies or fae, so we'll refer to them as fae oftentimes in this episode, they would snatch the human children and replace it with one of their own. So they, mm-hmm. we told you earlier, they like to steal things. Child snatchers. Sometimes they steal children, mm-hmm. which is terrifying. So you might wonder, why would a fairy want to swap out one of their, like little, one of their themselves for a human child? Mm-hmm. You might wonder. Uh, many times, if a mother or father fell out of favor with the fae, um, they would try to seek some revenge so it was only like they would turn turn against each other so they would kidnap these children i don't even know why they bothered replacing it with one of them but they'd kidnap these children then use them as servants Mm -hmm. just terrifying fairies were also very envious of newborns because you know these young children were seen as very pure and innocent and Um, they were also very beautiful. So the fairies were drawn to their like blonde hair and their light, bright eyes. They, they really do like blonde hair. That's like, what was that? Oh, that's like the son of Sam. We would have gotten away. We would have been fine with the fairies. They wouldn't have taken you and I. No. And the son of Sam, he, he liked, did he like? No, he, he killed. Yeah, we died in that story. Yeah. In this story, we're good. In Mm -hmm. that story, we were goners. Yeah. Uh, changelings were not always easy to spot. So, uh, if you're, if you were a parent, it might take you weeks or months before you realize that your child had been replaced with a fairy. Mm -hmm. They used that glamour to make you see what they wanted you to see. But usually the changeling was marked with some sort of abnormality. Whereas the human child was, was perfectly healthy. The changeling might have something different about them. They might have an extra toe. Or a missing <laughs> finger or a birthmark. This is how a lot of people used to explain birthmarks mm-hmm. as like, oh, it's a the, the mark of the fairy. Uh, a chronic illness. So if you had a colicky baby, they mm-hmm. might say, no, it, it was a changeling. They might have a crazy appetite, a, a, a horrible temperament. They blamed it all on the fairies. Mm-hmm. Things to look out for, Hannah. I know. It, it's, She's due in November. Due in November. I hope my baby doesn't get swapped swapped out for a changeling. Me too. But see, I think 
our baby will be brown hair, blue eyes, or not blue eyes, brown hair, brown eyes. Oh, safe. So safe. Not mm-hmm. not a blonde hair. It's gonna blue come eye. out a redhead, it bright blue eyes. I and it'll be the change, mm-hmm. changeling's fault. Um, these duped parents were not without options, so there were things that you could do. Uh, you could petition midwives to speak with the fairies on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you could convince them to, sometimes you could convince fairies to return your child. Mm-hmm. Via the midwives? Via the midwives. Uh, and these midwives are human, so they weren't like fairy midwives. They were just, I guess. They, for some reason, they got it in with the fae. They, they were in good with the fae. Interesting job, job opportunity mm-hmm. back then. Human parents were also encouraged to baptize their kids as a young age as a way to prevent this mm-hmm. um, unbaptized children were apparently more susceptible to fair the whims of fairies and trolls and nature spirits of the sort so you could baptize your baby to prevent that uh-huh a little christening if you a little, a little sprinkle sprinkle yep uh, or you could dress your babies in red uh-huh uh, apparently fairies don't, didn't like the color red keeping them out of the moonlight was also supposed to help you avoid fairy snatching mm-hmm uh, hanging iron. We talked about iron as the tool earlier. You could hang iron utensils around the crib as a way to ward them it's off. It's giving you great ideas. I know. I'm just picturing like a little baby mobile with yeah, like forks, just forks and knives, which mm-hmm. does not sound like a good thing to hang yeah. above a baby's bed. And if the parents weren't sure whether their human, whether their child was human or fairy, they could. This was the test for it. Mm-hmm. They could crush a bowl of eggshells. Um, and brew this homemade quote-unquote truth potion. Mm-hmm. If any fey folk stepped near this truth potion, they would be forced to speak and reveal their true identity. Too bad the people in the true crime story didn't know this. I know. If only they had had a little bucket of egg crushed eggshells, mm. you would have known. Yeah. All of this originates... You know, we've talked about it before. It all goes back. You know, you go back very far. Long, long time. The long thing time have been way, around. Way before Shakespeare was writing about them, this, these things originate way before that. So the word fairy actually comes from the Latin word feta, F-A-T-A, which means fate. Not surprising. Because in Latin mythology, the fairies would show up in the home whenever a baby was born and decide that newborn's fate. Kind of like what fairy godmothers do when they give you like blessings when you're mm-hmm. born. Also, Maleficent from Sleeping mm-hmm. Beauty is considered to be a dark fae. Yeah. And she gives them the fate of pricking her finger on the spinning wheel. Right. So that's where the fae, fate, fairy, mm-hmm. all that comes from. It's also der- in French, the, the word fairy means enchantment. So that's where you get a little bit of the magical element to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's spelled F-A-E-R-I-E. There's so many different spellings. Yeah. That, uh, it just gets it gets weird. The uh, the fairy or fae developed independently in an, a bunch of different cultures. So everybody kind of had their own version of it. Slavic, English, Persian, French, German, Celtic. They all had their own idea of what a fairy was and what it meant. And each culture was a little bit different, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. There are typically five main theories about fa- how fairies came to be. Historically. Historically, mm-hmm. right. So... Theory number one, that they are just these folk memories of like earlier generations and peoples that were conquered by current inhabitants. So people who were maybe like forced into the mountains and caves and that they supposedly prey on that would prey on, yeah, on victims at night. 
And they're just remembering them. Yeah, like hill people. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then I guess... Ooh, the hills have eyes. Ooh. Yeah, that's honestly like what it made me think of. The uh-huh. people like like folk like kind of country people getting forced out into these mountains and caves so that's yeah. one one theory i don't know if i love that one theory number two uh that these were degenerated deities whose stature had been reduced in importance so you're not up there with the zeus no but demoted like these, the fairy. yeah these these powerful people who kind of get demoted mm-hmm. which is a little bit more like mythical or or mystical theory number three that this was more of like a personification of nature or spirits that originated more from the like animalistic belief of of archaic people so kind of this spirit that they put to like a tiny little mm-hmm. human form you got because you got your water fay you got your right and because because a lot of them have so much to do with nature mm-hmm. and so people would explain that by adding kind of like a human form to them mm-hmm uh, option number four, or theory number four, that they are ancestral spirits of the dead, or like even the dead themselves, kind of like ghosts. Because I feel like the way ghosts act and the way fairies act is very similar. There's some like, yeah, do you, some are you being haunted by a fae, or are you being haunted by a ghost? Right. So I like I I do think that's an interesting theory, mm-hmm. which fits, which is very well for scary tales. Mm-hmm. And the last main theory is that they might be fallen angels. Mm. They were thrown out of heaven Just with Lucifer all, all himself. All the angels that got thrown out of heaven with Lucifer, they lost some of their like power and physicality, and you know, not not good enough for heaven, but not bad enough for hell. So, kind of ended up here in the middle. Put that on Put a that t-shirt. On not good enough for heaven. Not, not bad enough, enough for, for hell. Heaven, not bad enough for hell. Just average. Just your average old in the middle. Mm-hmm. So those, are, so those are some of the main theories. Which one do you like best? I like, you like the, the angels. Last one. Yeah, I knew yeah. it. I knew it. We, you also kind of see some of Greek mythology. We've talked about Greek mythology on here a lot. I just taught it to my freshmen. You have in Greek mythology, you have these gods and goddesses. The gods then made like they're the ones who are responsible for making the the nymph, all the different nymphs and things, and they had like one for each element of nature. So like you were saying earlier, like tree nymphs, water nymphs, forest nymphs, meadow nymphs. And these were the characters that would help them take care of the earth. Mm-hmm. And then even in eight, in the eighth century Homer, when he wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey, which are two of the most famous pieces of literature, he included nymphs in there. And then in the Iliad and the Odyssey, or especially the Iliad, not so much the Odyssey, you've got like bits of history, mm-hmm. but then you've also got these bits of, like fiction, like like you were saying earlier, fiction versus nonfiction. And so when you put them both in a story together, the line kind of gets blurred. Mm-hmm. So that's why a lot of people really do believe in the fae. Listen, Chapter so once and I'll say it again. I don't understand all the physics of this world and what can I'm be not. past the, the blind eye, you know? Right. So Who's call it a ghost, call it a fae. Call it what you Listen, want. Listen, there I've, I've been down this thread on TikTok. There are people that are think that they have found fae like this one girl i was watching had this circle of mushrooms so yep. a fairy ring out in her yard and she was legitimately asking for help and apparently you don't go we'll talk about more rules later but you don't go stand in one of those rings no, you then don't. you'll be taken to fa- fairyland and you won't come back yep. and if you do it might seem like five minutes over there and then you come back and we're flying cars and it, it do es- another it future es- stuff yep. covid's gone covid's gone <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I'd stay with low hopes. 
Oh, oops. <laughs> Stay in the mushroom moon circle for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about, so I teach uh, British literature, so we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about Great Britain, and then Lacey's our pro on Ireland, so she's we got some Irish facts for you, too. Love that. So in Great Britain, around the 13th century is when fairies became popular. Their idea of fairies was a, was much more sinister than like this previous folklore, so mm-hmm. most of everything before them was kind of more just like ancient folklore, and the British start to started to view them as more like good or evil and if they were evil they were like really evil mm-hmm. hide your kids right. hide your wife because they because they, could... they take in everybody right there. and they could curse you too so for this reason they didn't call fairies by their name i think this is funny instead they referred to them as like the little people or the neighbors or the gentry it's so, kind of like us not saying the names of demons and but having chase and david just scream them in my home. We just we haven't released the conjuring episode yet. You just wait. Well, yeah, there's reasons for that. <sighs> so they wouldn't say the names of fairies. Instead, they would kind of call them by these nicknames. Mm-hmm. People believe that these fairies lived underground. We talked about kind of whether it's this forest or water areas or underground, somewhere kind of hidden. Mm-hmm. So civilians would avoid crossing paths with those areas so they could avoid the fairies. Mm-hmm. So you didn't go to the forest. You tried not to go near near water. You definitely didn't go underground. Mm-hmm. You're just uh, stuck in stinky London, the great stink. The great stink. But even like corners of their homes, people would get kind of worried about Fay living in, like that being like a little ho- Fay hovel. So they or would, like they built their house and then they all of a sudden realize, oh crap, it's on a fairy path, and right. then they just they would have they would ab- just demolish that, that part of their house. Yeah. yeah. The the British liked all they also liked the fallen angel theory that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. But when they were being like caught like Christianized, mm-hmm. so a lot, a lot of they tied it to a lot of religious beliefs. So they thought at least they they liked the the fallen angel theory. The church actually supported the idea of uh, fairies to promote Christianity and the existence of God. So they, how, how they, does one do that? Well. They uh, claim that God allowed fairies to appear in, quote, great times of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And they and they also were kind of trying to prove this existence of like a spiritual world. Yeah. So because the people already believed in the fairies, they were like, yeah, those fairies are that fallen you can't angels. See. Or yeah. the fairies that you can't see, but you believe in them, you yeah. know, you can't see God. Right. That's whole like the... You can't you can't um, see wind, but you can, but you feel, can feel it. it. Yeah. Right. So they just tried to play on to a, a theory that people already believe, give them something mm-hmm. they connected to. So Ireland, you've land been, of my people. Yeah, you, and you've been to Ireland. So we said every culture has a little bit of their own kind of twist on the, the fairy mm-hmm. theory. But I feel like fairy, the home of the fae is you Ireland. Think Ireland. So tell, tell us, what did you experience there? What do you okay. what and what do they believe? All right, here we go. So their legends began with pagan storytellers and later combined this with Celt and Christian folklore to give us our modern day stories of the Fae. And naturally the leprechaun is the best known Irish fairy. We talked about all the different names earlier. Mm-hmm. So and leprechauns are one of them. Big big one. In Irish mythology, fairies were magical creatures that belonged to Tuatha de Danann, which was a supernatural race of gods and goddesses. And these people 
of this tribe were tall in size. Kind of reminds me of like an Amazon type person. And they glowed. Their bodies glowed. Which reminds me of Twilight. Yes. The sparkling. Mm-hmm. Tawatha Daydanan famously disappeared into the other world or fairy world after losing a war against humans for the land of Ireland. And they would then often appear in human-like form to the humans, I guess. Kind to, of like in disguise. They yeah. They disguise themselves. Because they, so they, they wanted them to... Think. Stay separated. Yeah. The Irish, like the British, were also very fearful of fairies and did not want to disturb them in any way. Probably because they thought they were going to, like, seek revenge against mm-hmm. them for defeating them in the war. Right. Also, how does a human defeat a fairy that has magical powers? I don't know. but I don't believe that. I would the, bet on the fae. It's all part of the plot. They believe that the fae have their own specific roads and pathways and that you, you didn't cross these. You didn't travel along these or interfere with these in any way. So when building houses, you know, a lot of people, I wouldn't want to build a house on an ancient burial ground. Right. This is like the the fairy version of mm -hmm. that. So what they would do is they would mark or like line out the the shape of their house with stones or rods and they would leave them overnight. And if they came back the next day and if they had been moved in any way, this meant that a fairy during the night was, you know, just walking home drunk from the bar and scooted one out of the way. And that meant you, you couldn't build your house there anymore. Yep. It wasn't the wind. Nope. It wasn't a... It was a fairy. Passerby. It was, it was a fairy. And and so if that happened, then they were like, oh, well, got to start over. Gotta, <laughs> it sucks if you bought that land and that's uh, all you yeah, got. Yeah, but Too late. They would build their front and back door of their home in alignment, and they would leave them open at night so the fairies could just come in and out and go straight front to back without disturbing anybody seems excessive so this seems crazy and it seems like this was like what they believed know, a long time ago because they didn't have science and right. math no, no. and blah 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 no no well in 1999 there was a 100 million euro road building project in ireland in county clare and it was delayed and then sidetracked completely because the locals were protesting the building of it because they believed that it was going to cut through one of these ancient fairy bushes or lands or whatever 1999 is not that long ago right a hundred i would million love to have like seen that protest plan. but yeah. whatever i mean they did a good job i want to see the signs from that protest same mm-hmm. okay so the these fairy bushes or they're often known as fairy forts or fairy mounds fairy trees fairy gardens are most commonly known as ring forts or raths uh, so a fort is an enclosed earthen dwelling that dates back to all the way to the middle ages so like we said earlier very very ancient stuff we got going on here some look like mounds or small hills while others have well-defined walls still in place and some are simply a vague outline showing that there was a dwelling there or where it would have been and it is thought that there are around forty thousand, if not more of these across ireland which doesn't bode well for me because no. you, you know me just my little add self just stretching along ireland well, i you, probably just you may not have known i didn't I know mean, for sure but i can guarantee you i wouldn't you know you're, you're definitely haunted there were times we would get up, like we would be driving and we'd stop the car because I would see an animal and I would get out the car and just make right. my way. And you're, what if that animal was a fae and they wanted was. me to go and with it, him yep. so I could, yep, almost got abducted by a fairy and didn't even know it. Glad you're here. 
So I'm glad, apparently I didn't, because trespassing onto these grounds could lead to abduction, madness, or, and even death. Yeah. You so could the fact die. That, so the fact that you're still here means... Maybe they just like they, me and they, they, may have they know that you. I'm one with nature and I like right. animals and blah, blah, blah. That's right. So as mentioned earlier, it is thought that the Tuatha de Danon people were defeated by the ancestors of the present day Irish and subsequently sent to this underworld, otherworld type deal. As the victors took over the countryside, the Fae didn't have anywhere to go, so they went to these ring forts, went underground, I suppose, and that is why that is where they live now, and so that is why they protect it at all cost. There you have it. There you There's have it. The Irish. They love their fairies there. They do. Which, the last couple things about fairies, uh, how to catch a fairy. So Very in, good thing to know. Uh, good thing to know uh, how to catch one and then rules for interacting with fairies. Because there's a lot. You don't want to mess it right. up. And we'll, we'll give you a couple of them. Mm-hmm. So ways to catch a fairy. First, you have to have an open mind. Can you, go, have um, to be- you have to believe. And then you have to be aware of your surroundings because mm-hmm. they are very one with nature. So you've got to kind of be in tune with nature. Too. Oh, I got that down. You need to go to a, a likely fairy spot. Things we've talked about like gardens, meadows, things like that. Also, placing yourself at these kind of in-between worlds, because it was believed that they lived, like we said, in between the worlds, like too good for heaven, but not bad enough for hell, kind of, or not good enough for heaven, but not bad enough for hell. So if you could find these in-between places, so whether you're in between two trees or at the crossing of river or of two rivers, things like that, mm-hmm. that, that's a good place where you can find them. You Also, time of day is important. If you could place yourself there at twilight, which is another in-between time. It's kind of in-between day and night time. Mm-hmm. That's a good time of day. That's that's why you, you're not supposed to leave your children alone at, at in the moonlight or the twilight because mm-hmm. that's when they could snatch them. Get snatched up. Yep. Once you feel like your location is right, um, you're, you need to take in the atmosphere. You don't try to find the fairy. The fairy tries to find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, at some point, you might feel this kind of unusual sensation like somebody's watching you. So this is a sign that fairies are around. You might even see something kind of at the corner of your vision. Like you might see something move. You're not supposed to turn around. Don't do it. If you if you turn around, the fairy's going to vanish. So you're supposed to stay still. Okay, you can't spook them off. Mm-hmm. Another way you can kind of draw them in is they are very connected with like creativity. So if you're playing a musical instrument, painting, drawing, writing, you could that can help pull them in. You may also meditate to help pull them in because meditating is like, again, we keep talking about the in-between. It's mm-hmm. kind of this in-between of your conscience. You know, you're you're like aware, but you're also kind of tuning things out. But what, Hannah, what if you're not talented? What am I going to do? Oh, uh, you could either buy their love or uh-huh. their presence um, or you could take a nap. Oh. So with, these are two great things. Those great things for me. You can leave them these offerings. We told you they like kind of like small, shiny things. Mm-hmm. I guess theoretically you could also leave a small child. Mm-hmm. But they, you could leave things like little crystals or silver things, pieces of mirror. You could also leave them food, like snacks. Oh, they would snacks. love our show snack break. They would love our snack break. So you could leave them some snacks like milk or honey, things like that. You could also, if you wanted to, like, really let them feel welcome, you could put, like, one of those little fairy garden homes mm-hmm. out. I'm picturing, like, a, an actual garden home, like a stucco garden home with stones <laughs> in the front. I was picturing, like, a little birdhouse, yeah. but for fairies. Mm-hmm. 
And then if that doesn't work, you know, giving them a home, giving them snacks, giving them gifts, if that doesn't work, apparently like you, when you're taking a nap, it's a good time to pay attention for fairies because you're again, kind of at this in-between state. We've all waken up, woken up from a nap before and not known where we were or what country we were in and right. thought and the a, world was ending. And apparently that's a good time for you to find fairies. I believe it. So if you, assuming that you do find a fairy, catch a fairy, have an interaction with a fairy, there are some very important rules that you need to remember. And this is what, what, I, what I will leave you with mm-hmm. before we get into the true crime. Because apparently the true crime people didn't know these rules. No, she sure didn't. Rule number one, they don't like to be called fairies, so they prefer to be called the fair folk or the good people. Semantics. Right. Rule number two, don't give a fairy your name. Mm -hmm. Um, Names are, especially in the fairy world, they're considered very powerful and they could be used against you, so you don't want them to know their name. They have a very specific name they want you to call them. Rule number three, some fairies do not like to be thanked because this implies that they are somehow subservient to you. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling them thank you for anything, they think that you think that they are un- that they're below you. Mm-hmm. Similarly, rule number four, don't apologize to them because this insinuates that you are now in debt to them. So don't say, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And then be like, how you want to make it up to me, though? They, yeah, they don't want that either. So you can't thank them. You can't apologize for them. Uh, if they do give you a gift, because we have talked about this like exchange, potential exchange of gifts. If you do accept a gift from the fairy folk, uh, you have to be careful because this could potentially be a trap. This could be a way that they are like indebting, like but causing you to be in debt mm-hmm. to them. Now you owe them something, right? So if you get if they give you a gift and you take it, now you owe them something. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like your child. It seems want. like a difficult test that I would not. It pass. really does. Also, you're not supposed to lie to fairies. Uh, They don't lie to anybody. How about that? Right. I mean, that's a good rule of thumb in general, but especially not to fairies. You can like stretch the truth or avoid the truth, but don't lie. You can't straight up lie. Mm -hmm. And all the books that I read with Faye in them, they cannot lie. That's one of the things. Yeah, they can like avoid telling you things or they can only tell you half of the truth, but... All the words that come out of their mouth are ultimately true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rule number seven, uh, never break a promise. A deal is a deal in fairyland. So assuming you do get into a binding deal with them, you're in it. You better be sure. You better be sure. And last rule that I'll share with you is never eat or drink their food. Because apparently that's also somehow binding. Whether it's like drugged or magical or again you've accepted something from them and now you owe them something mm-hmm. so a double whammy would be them leaving you a gift of food and then you eat and you the broke food. two of the rules right and then you said thank you and they gave it and to then you. you said thank you and my then, name's and Hannah, they were like why and, yeah. and why'd you say that and you're like oh i'm sorry and then you're like right boom, yeah. boom, boom, we boom, just boom, broke boom. all eight of the rules at once <laughs> but you know what me and you no we can share food oh yeah between one another yeah there's no there's no binding contract in that for uh, us. Uh-uh, not for our snack break. Do you have a snack break for us today? I do. Okay, good. And uh, then we'll head on over to the true crime like we always do. Like we do. Like we do. It's snack break time. Snack break. And we love the people at Shirley Wines. Yes, we do. We just popped open a bottle of 
some sparkling rosé from Shirley Wines. We we wish we would have called the sound effect the pop and the fizz. Missed we, opportunity. It's fine, but you want to tell us tell us tell us a little bit about Shirley Wines. So Shirley is the first non-alcoholic wine that actually tastes like the real thing. So if you love wine, but for whatever reason you need to cut back on your drinking, Shirley is going to be your new go-to. And it really does taste good. We've tried lots of different non-alcoholic wines before. I don't know. I have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them either taste horrible or they taste like grape juice. Uh, This one, if you were like blind taste testing. Tastes like the real thing. It really does. And that's because it's only made from the best stuff. They're natural ingredients, low sugar, low calorie, gluten-free, vegan friendly, and keto friendly. Yeah, we've been trying to bring some some healthier options here. And this this doesn't have any of the the bad stuff that you get in wines. I obviously uh, have not been able to partake in any alcoholic beverages recently because I am pregnant. And so this is nice that like when we get together with friends or in social situations where you know, it, everyone is having a good time. I can still drink something that tastes good and that feels like so feels social, but it's not. But safe for you and the but baby. It's safe for me and the baby. And the quality. They work with the best craft winemakers in all of California to make non-alcoholic wine that tastes like the real thing. And they source their grapes from the best wine counties in California. Yeah, so you're still getting the, the California wine feel. Mm-hmm. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee on all orders. So if you try it and you don't love it, you can. They've got a good, a really great like customer service program rep. I don't know what the mm-hmm. word is for there, but they have really good customer that. service. They also, we have a code for you. We do. Our code is scary snacks, all caps. You can get 15% off your first order. If you want to get some wine of your own, and we tried the sparkling rosé, but they have anything you could want. Chardonnay. They've, they've got red. They've yep. got white. They've got in any of the normal wines that you would get from California. They have the alcohol-free version for you. Yep. You can head on over to Instagram and check them out at, at Drink Shirley. And you can check us out at Scary Tales Podcast. Yes. And um, if you click the link in our bio, it'll take you to, we've got some links for our codes for snacks there for you. And you can click the link for us to go to their website and again use the code scary snacks all caps for 15 percent off your first order you're gonna love it to sit down and listen to the little story yeah i've still got my my uh glass of shirley so Truly non-alcoholic wine. Yes. Probably need some we're alcohol by for this story mm-hmm. because I know it's not going to be grand. Never is, but we're sitting by a little candlelight. The mood is set. It's story time. It is. So buckle in. Uh, always, what are we talking about that fits in with the story? How did we tie fairies to, to a true, a true to crime? A, to a true crime. Well, today we're going to be talking about the murder of Bridget Cleary. And I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a lot of fairy stuff involved. It's very reminiscent of the Salem witchcraft trials, but let's just call it the Irish fairy trials. Okay. How about that? Yeah. Oh, and we talked about Ireland specifically. There you go. 
Even in the 19th century, Irish people held strong beliefs about fairies and often used them as scapegoats to explain or rationalize anything in life that went poorly. So your child's sick, it's a changeling. It's a you you died all of a sudden, you stepped on a fairy bush. You're, you're, Classic. Your house is haunted, you built it mm-hmm. on a fairy ground. There you go. In the first part of the episode, we mentioned these fairy rings or fairy forts and how it was considered dangerous to trespass on them for fear of revenge from fairies that live there. And we really need to keep that in mind because it's important to the story of Bridget, Cle- of Bridget Cleary. So there's an old nursery rhyme. I guess they just say it in Ireland because I've never heard of it, but you would jump rope to it and it goes, are you a witch or are you a fairy or are you the wife of Michael Clary? Ooh. Yep, never heard that one. So we'll just lead in with that. Bridget Cleary lived her whole life in Ballyvadlia. I know I butchered that, which is a small townland near Clonmel in southern Ireland. Never heard of it. When I say small, the town only had a population of 31 people, and there were only nine homes in the area. I don't even know if you can call that a town. Right. And this was likely because the potato famine just really wiped them out over there. And so you got got 31 and only nine homes. So they had some big families. Bridget was the only daughter of Patrick and Bridget Boland. And Patrick worked on a farm, as many people did in that time. Probably a potato And still do in Ireland, because what else are you going to do on all that farmland? Being their only daughter, Bridget's parents wanted to ensure that Bridget was able to support herself, which I feel like is ahead of their time. Yeah. You know, most people were just, oh, she can marry off and whatever. We'll give her husband a dowry. He'll take care of her, blah, blah, blah. But Bridget was able to gain an education through local nuns and then was able to apprentice as a dressmaker in nearby Clonmel, which was only 11 miles away from her home. And this was a really good job for women in that time. And she eventually bought a Singer sewing machine. Those are still around today or at, you know, antique stores. And she began sewing her own dresses at home. She didn't stop there. She also supplemented her income with selling hen eggs, which was also apparently a really lucrative thing to do. So not only did Bridget have a good job, she was also beautiful and stylish, and this brought her many admirers. She's she's doing well. She is doing the dang thing. and Good for her. Yeah. She completed her internship as a dressmaker at the age of 18, and this is when she met and married a local cooper named Michael Cleary. And no, that's not a typo. A cooper is someone who builds barrels. Couldn't not, think of a more... That, what a job. Yeah. I'm a barrel builder. Ooh, some people are stru- skydiving instructors. Some people build wooden barrels. I gotta do what maybe, you gotta do. Maybe it's a big Irish job. Everyone thought that Michael was a strange match for Bridget, for starters, he was nine years older than her, which not a huge that difference, sound, but it's yeah. you can note it. While Bridget was living independently, and she, like we said, she was a modern woman, doing the thing lively, social. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Michael was described as dull and sullen. You, you hate okay, to so, be. I mean, maybe, you hate that. Maybe opposites attract. Mm-hmm. Even stranger, the couple typically lived apart and only saw each other on the weekend. Yeah, that, okay, that's not, that's yeah, definitely weird. weird. Instead of living with her husband in Clonmel, Bridget moved back with her parents in Ballyvadlia, and these were unusual living arrangements and may have been because Bridget's mother was ill and she needed to help nurse her back to health. So maybe that's why. I mean, yeah. That- However, other people started talking, as they do, as and they... they 
They were guessing that there was an affair going on. Both Bridget and Michael were having their separate affairs. In addition to this, the fact that the couple had no children was very strange for that time period. And so this just all went into the rumor mill, started up big old pot of rumors going on. Nevertheless, by early 1895, Michael had to move to Balivadlia. And so he, he didn't, this was nice. He didn't make Bridget come live with him. He went and lived with Bridget. They were able to move into what was considered a laborer's house because Bridget's father had been a laborer. And it was one of the only, it was one of the nicest houses in the areas, but no one lived there, most likely because it sat on a known fairy fort, fairy ring thing. Oh. Maybe Bridget didn't Here know. Here we go. Mm-hmm. However, Bridget was not known to be afraid of fairies, and she would often leave them offerings at these forts, leave them gifts. Maybe she got a gift every once yeah. in a while. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, some of them could be like benevolent and you know, cordial mm-hmm. if you exchange things with them. Right, know. but it's a slippery slope, I feel it really, like. It really is. Yeah. You cross one line, you're done. You're done. You tell them your name, done. So they're living together now, Michael and Bridget, and they're taking care of Bridget's father, who is now widowed. Bridget's um, mom eventually died. And they're relatively prosperous and making more money than other people in the area. And I feel like that in the, you know, in the Salem witch trials, people that stood out or were different or maybe had more money, they were easy targets. And I kind of feel like that's the same in this story. Like I said earlier, Bridget was making extra money by selling hen eggs. And to do this, she would have to travel all over the countryside. Lord knows real easy when you're traveling in the countryside in Europe. I mean, in Ireland, you can trample on one of those. Fairy rings. fairy rings. Yeah. It was on Monday, March the 4th, 1895, that Bridget had planned to deliver eggs to one of her customers named Jack Dunn. This was also her father's brother, so her... Her uncle. Uh, her uncle, yeah. He was known in the area as a... Sa- I looked this up how to say it, and of course I've already forgot. Sayan Chai, and this is a storyteller well-versed in fairy mythology, so... He, we, he, he would like have been a, a fun uncle. He would have been a great guest on this oh, podcast. If only. Now, what is interesting to note is that Jack also lived on one of these fairy fort, fairy mound things. And on this day, it was very cold outside. There was snow on the ground. The nearby mountains were covered in snow. And Mary had to walk two to three miles to even get to Jack's house. And when she got there, she realized that he wasn't home. So, dun, dun, dun. Because we didn't have telephones back then. Right. She you just risked She couldn't it. ring him mm-hmm. up. When she woke up the next day, after being outside and waiting outside for him in the cold, Bridget began complaining of a raging headache and a fever, which, again, not too surprising. I, I mean, she just had stood out and, like, walked through yeah. the snow to try to mm-hmm. find him. Joanna Burke, who is Bridget's cousin and would later be one of the main witnesses at her at this trial, said that Bridget told her she felt ill as soon as she visited the fairy fort. Uh, Bridget's father, very concerned about the state of his daughter's health, went into town, had to walk several miles, in search of a doctor. And this doctor, I read one where he um, was always drunk, this doctor, so maybe he needed some Shirley. But the doctor diagnosed her with nervous excitement and slight bronchitis. I feel like any woman that was like PMSing yeah. back then, they were like excitement, hysteria. hysteria. Yeah. yeah, hysteria was a classic one. Mm-hmm. But he pre- prescribed her some medic- medicine, and that would have been great, except for the fact that Michael, he was a little, he started being a little sus, and he didn't give her the medicine because he thought she needed a different type of doctor and help. Okay, okay. so the problem was. 
Bridget was a relatively healthy woman, and she was not showing any signs of getting better. So after the doctor's visit, a priest came to visit. and Which I feel like would have been fairly normal. Uh-huh. That they, they would have, this is a, a, something they would have turned to. Mm-hmm. For and he, he did administer her last rites, just, just in case, because things weren't looking great. Jack Dunn, the guy she went to deliver eggs to, her uncle, he came to visit, and after taking one look at Bridget, he stated... That is not Bridget Bolin, which was no. her, her maiden name. Yeah. So from this point forward, Michael Cleary did not believe that the woman in his home was his wife, <gasps> but that Bridget had been exchanged for a fairy changeling when she visited the fairy fort that day. He even cited that she was two inches taller. My question is, did you have an accurate measurement beforehand of how tall I, right. she was? And right. then you got out another measuring stick? Uh, also, I found out one of the okay because she's not a baby, right? That's what I was and just they thinking. normally change babies, but they do babies. change with older people sometimes. And the reason is they it's kind of like a, a, a hospice for fairies. They send their elderly fairies to in exchange for humans because they know the humans are going to take care of their sick loved one. <gasps> See, and they in their last days in peace, unless you're Bridget Cleary. So anyway, fairy hospice. You heard it here first. <laughs> Jack Dunn, he also suggested that Michael reach out to a fairy doctor. We've had a doc, a drunk doctor. We've, We've had, had a, a priest, fairy doctor. Now we're doing a fairy doctor. And this doctor's name was Dennis Ganey. Ganey did not visit Bridget in person, but instead gave Michael a concoction of herbs that was supposed to be mixed with new milk. Do you know what new milk is? No. Apparently, the cow has the baby, the calf, and immediately the milk it squirts out after is new milk. I don't know how you capture that. Seems like a really small you got a period really of short window, window of, of opportunity. Time. Uh, and this would be administered to Bridget, which would supposedly restore her true soul to her body or bring her back or something. I don't know. So fun fact, many of these concoctions these fairy doctors would make were often use foxglove, which is a very poisonous I was to say, I don't know what that is yeah, herb. Humans can't have it. And in a lot of cases, this was really just to finish the patient off, not heal them. So it's not what happened to Bridget, but in a lot of cases it was. So just before 10 that night, the Cleary's neighbors, William and Minnie Simpson, paid a visit to check in on Bridget. Fun fact, William Simpson was one of the people she was rumored to be having an affair with. And when they arrived, they were very shocked to find out what was going on in the Cleary home because it was not good. They opened the door, and Jack Dunn, along with several of Bridget's cousins, you have Patrick, James, and William, they were holding Bridget down on the bed while Michael Cleary was forcing this herb-laced milk down her throat. Imagine somebody just forcing milk down your throat. I know, seriously. Mary Kennedy, Bridget's aunt, was she was just waiting nervously by the door, you know, not actively participating, but just being a bystander, not helping her either. Bridget was continuously screaming that the milk was too bitter, However, the men were holding her mouth shut and forcing her to swallow it. There were some other relatives outside the house, because a lot of relatives had come into town to check on her, see how she was doing. Well, and I can remember, isn't this the town where it's like nine yeah, people? You got, yeah, it's dead, dead. Like nine, you have 31, 31 people. people. It doesn't in take a long homes. time to gather yeah. the family. Anyways, they were standing outside the house, and they heard Michael shout, Take it, you witch, or I'll kill you. Is she a witch or is she a fairy or is she the wife of Michael Cleary? You know what I mean? All of the above. The Simpsons noted that there was a large burn mark on Bridget's forehead caused by a poker, because I assume that poker was probably iron, and that had been used to threaten her earlier. That had to hurt. Yikes. 
The harsh questioning continued, and Bridget was drenched three times with a, quote, noxious fluid that was most likely urine. Apparently, fairies supposedly don't like urine. Did they not urinate? Also, doesn't no one likes urine poured on them. No, and she was just getting doused in it, so... Bridget was then carried to the fireplace and held over the flames while her father continuously asked her, Are you the daughter of Patrick Boland, the wife of Michael Cleary? And terrified, they said Bridget was screaming, I am, Dada, I am. That's Mm -hmm. horrifying. And that does remind me of the Salem Witch Mm -hmm. Trials. By midnight, the ritual seemed to have been completed and Bridget seemed a little better. And Michael had the priest say mass in Bridget's bedroom to, quote, banish the evil spirits that were left. On Friday, March 15th, for the first time in 11 days, Bridget got out of bed. She got dressed in her usual fashionable clothes. And several family members again came down to join them in their cottage for tea later in the day. And that is when an argument erupted. Because Bridget had asked for some milk. We all know they love milk. And this had rekindled Michael's suspicions that Bridget was was a fairy. Just because fairies like milk. Don't you put milk in tea? That exactly. That's a trap right there. Bridget was probably very tired at this point. You got beat in the head with an iron. Urine poured on you. Mm -hmm. You've been force fed. Poison milk. Yeah. And so she was tired. She was done with his crap. And she said, "Your mother used to go with fairies, and that is why you think I'm going with them." Whoa. Um, to reinforce control over her, Michael then demanded that Bridget eat three pieces of bread and jam while he asked her her name over and over again. She only she answered twice and ate two of the three pieces of bread, but when she hesitated on the third piece, that was apparently the last straw, and Michael flung her to the ground and threatened her, stating, if you won't take it, down you will go. All because she only ate two of the three pieces mm-hmm. of bread. Fairies always eat three. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Michael jabbed his knee in her chest, forcing her the bread and jam down Bridget's throat, and then he began tearing off her clothes, leaving only her chemis. Then he grabbed a hot stick from the fire and held it close to her mouth. Which again was probably like an iron poker for mm-hmm. the fire, and we mm-hmm. said fairies don't like iron. Right. He struck her head against the floor, then set her chemis alight, and within a few minutes, he had also poured a paraffin lamp oil over her, and this just ignited the flames. He, he set her on fire. So, yeah. She burned to death. That's that's where we're going. So, as her body was burning, Michael said in front of all the because re- there were a bunch of relatives uh, that were there that, watching this. They're all the, over there for tea. Mm-hmm. He said, "She's not my wife. She's an old deceiver, sin in place of my wife." Relatives, some of them that were there, they supposedly yelled at Michael to put out the flames, but Bridget quote blazed up all in a minute because he, he essentially poured, poured gasoline. Yeah. yeah. The relatives were terrified at this point, and they actually were hiding in a bedroom. And Joanna, the um, Joanna Burke, Bridget's cousin that we were talking about earlier, she would later say, quote, She was burning on the hearth. The house was full of smoke and smell. When I looked down to the kitchen, I saw the remains of Bridget Cleary on the floor, lying on a sheet. So once her body was done burning, Michael wrapped it in a sheet and shoved it in an old bag. And then he left the corpse in the house with his terrified relatives while he went out for approximately one hour. And when he returned, he had a knife in his hand, and he threatened to kill Bridget's cousin Patrick if he didn't assist with burying the body. So the two men carried the body about a quarter mile up a hill and then put it in a shallow grave. Michael then made the rest of the family promise that they would never tell anyone what happened. The following morning... That's that's not a guilty conscience right there. Lost my place. Oh, thank you. 
The following morning, a very agitated Michael arrived at Drangen Church, and he went there with none other than Jack Dunn, because that's that's his partner in crime in this. Well, that's the guy who started the Mm -hmm. whole fairy theory. But Jack, he actually wanted Michael to speak to the priest, but the priest saw that Michael was essentially deranged at this point. He was kneeling on the altar, he was weeping, he was tearing his hair out, and Michael was begging to go to confession, but the priest did not think that he was fit to receive the sacrament at that point. Apparently, you have to, there's rules to receive sacrament, who knew? The priest did speak to Jack Dunn, though, and Jack Dunn basically said, look, yeah, Michael's having a rough day, he burned his wife to death last night. No big deal. No big deal. I don't know why they thought the priest was not going to tell anybody because he obviously went and reported it to the police immediately. I think that's like a very common misconception Mm -hmm. that you can just confess anything to a priest and that they Mm -hmm. don't have legal obligations to to do, to report things. Right. So for the next few days, the police searched for Bridget and questioned all of the relatives. There were a lot of witnesses there. And Michael was reportedly at this time threatening suicide. But he was also visiting the ring fort at Jack Dunn's house. Three, he visited it three times, believing that his real wife, Bridget, would be returned by the fairies. And you see, she would, be, she would come in riding on a white horse, and all he had to do was cut the ropes that bound her to the horse, and then she would be free forever. That's, what, that's how she thought she was coming back? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, March 20th, the Royal Irish Constables issued warrants, arrest warrants for eight people from Bridget's Circle, as well as Dennis Ganey, the fairy doctor. Yeah, I feel I feel like Michael may have done the deed, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of, like, not innocent bystanders right. that just allowed all this to happen. Mm-hmm. On March 22nd, 1895, constables found the charred remains of a woman's body in a shallow grave in the corner of a boggy field near Ballyvadlia. A boggy field. A boogie field. A boogie field. The torso was severely burnt and naked, except for a few remaining scraps of her clothing, and she had on some black stockings. However, they found her head was covered with a sack, and when they removed the sack, the police found themselves face-to-face with the undamaged face of Bridget Cleary. And I assume in a town this small, they immediately knew who it was. All the prisoners were brought before the magistrates on March 25th, and they were ushered in by essentially an angry mob because they had all found out about what had happened. There was extensive press coverage on this case, not just in the small town, but all over Ireland. This was... All the rage back then, because what else are you going to do? Well, and and they, I'm sure they, they really all, like, again, the fairies were fairly popular mm-hmm. in terms of their, like, culture yeah. and their folklore. So mm-hmm. The trial only lasted three days, and one of the main witnesses, like I said earlier, was Bridget's cousin, Joanna Burke. However, Burke turned Queen's witness in exchange for immunity and provided the main thread of the story, and this is how we get everything that I've told you so far. However... We don't know if Burke told the truth because she was, you know, her butt was on the line and her brother's butts oh, were on the line. She was one of the ones mm-hmm. arrested. Yeah, okay. so we don't know if she embellished it or not. We we won't know. Joanna testified, quote, Bridget asked her husband if I had been paid for milk, and he said, Yes. I took the shilling out of my pocket and showed it to her. She took it in her hand and put it under the bedclothes and then gave it back to me. So in Ireland at this time, if a woman got a coin and rubbed it on her thigh or her nether regions, you know what I mean, this, and then gave it back to the person, this would cause the holder of that coin to have bad luck. So she, she took note of that. So she was basically say, like trying to say that this... There was 
that her, that, there that, was reason that they should believe she was a fairy. That she was a fairy. Yeah, she this was, was doing just another one of those fairies. things. Okay. Dennis Ganey, the fairy doctor, and Mary Kennedy, which was Bridget's aunt that just stood nearby, they were acquitted of their charges. Uh, Patrick Kennedy got five years for helping dispose of the body. Jack Dunn got three years for just being Jack Dunn. <laughs> He's the one who started this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So. And Jack and Michael Cleary was charged with manslaughter and sentenced to 20 years in prison. 20, year, 20 years doesn't sound like a, a whole lot. Yeah. I don't know what the going rate was back then. but yeah. That just doesn't sound like a, a long mm-hmm. time. The judge ruled out a verdict of just straight murder because he explained that they had all acted out of genuine belief. It's kind of like an insanity plea almost. I, I, yeah, that's they literally they thought they that they were killing a fairy. They literally believed that she was a fairy. Mm-hmm. Michael was released from prison in 1910, so that meant he only served 15 years of his 20-year sentence. And then he just moved to Canada, and nobody really ever heard from him again. Sadly, not a single person, whether that be family, friend, or clergy member, attended Bridget's funeral. I think the police just buried her. And this was because no one wanted to give her a Christian burial. Because they didn't think it was a a christian body right because they didn't even believe bridget was actually dead they thought she was going to come back riding on on that white horse yep although michael and other people involved in the killing were never formally psychiatrically assessed i don't even know if they had psychiatrists back then yeah a 2006 article from the irish journal of medical science suggests i feel like you need a subscription to that i sure do but christmas present they suggested that michael had been suffering from a psychotic state known as cap it could be capgrass i'm sure it's capgrass syndrome but anyway this involves the belief that a person has been replaced by an imposter and the author suggested michael quote may have developed a brief psychotic episode and the reason that also contributed to this was he was struggling to deal with his wife's illness at the time he was sleep deprived and on the day that all of this happened he had actually found out that his father had died so, so it all definitely a lot of like stressors going stressors. on yeah going mm-hmm. on but still, I didn't realize that there was like an actual potential, like mm-hmm. medical explanation of you thinking you thinking someone had been swapped for somebody else. Mm-hmm. In Copgras syndrome, the sociocultural context of the sufferer determines the nature of the imposter. Because here it's a fairy, but it could be an alien, it could be a ghost, it could be a demon, it can be whatever. In, in my life, it would be a demon. Right. Mm-hmm. Many believe that Michael had been threatened by his modern wife she was intelligent she was beautiful independent ambitious and that he simply just killed her out of jealousy that that's the more logical explanation Mm -hmm. but to me he just sounds crazy yeah because well because he went to the a medical doctor multiple times to get her medicine right but then didn't give it to her and yeah so why would he have done that first and then not get i don't know I feel like he was very passionate that she was indeed a, a fairy yeah. or a fae. Or a fae. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if you're, and especially if you grow up in a culture that is very passionate about these things, mm-hmm. if you grow up in a culture that is redesigning the, the building of their house to avoid being built on a fairy property, I mean, mm-hmm. then I could see it. I could see it. But poor Bridget Cleary. Shall we, shall we go back and say in unison the I little know, rhyme? I know. That's too creepy. But mm-hmm. I that little nursery rhyme is freaky. Are you a witch or are you a fairy? Or, or are you the wife of Michael Cleary? Cleary? And we'll leave you with that. It's a haunting ending. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed our episode on fairies. And hope you enjoy as we continue to talk about fairy tales, legends, and all things spooky here on 
scary tales. Yes, we will bring you more. We'll replace the fairy tales with the scary tales. Uh, until then, until our next episode, you can find us over at Scary Tales Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can click the link in our bio, find some codes for some snacks that we do on our snack break. Mm-hmm. And enjoy. And enjoy. See you next time.